Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. I am your host, Joel Cherney. Wikipedia is one of the most popular web resources, yet also one of the most controversial. This user-written and edited online encyclopedia is one of the largest repositories of information available to everyone. Welcome to the New Books Network. I am your host, Joel Cherney. Wikipedia is one of the most popular web resources, yet also one of the most controversial. This user-written and edited online encyclopedia is one of the largest repositories of information available to everyone. Yet, its wiki model has made it a problem source for academics and other serious researchers concerned about its anonymous writers and editors. In his book, Wikipedia U, Knowledge, Authority, and liberal education in the digital age, Thomas Leach reviewed the site, including its beginnings, its development, and the reaction of others to the various controversies. He also looked at the underlying issues related to authority as an important aspect of research in the 21st century. The book was published in 2014 by Johns Hopkins University Press. In my interview, Tom talks with me about the book, as well as his experiences in the academic world with Wikipedia and authority, and how these issues impact his work. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Thomas Leach. Thanks for joining me, Tom. How are you today? I'm delighted that it's almost the end of February, and I'm delighted that I'm able to make contact with someone who's in a much warmer state than I am. My normal role for the New Books Network is I'm the host of the New Books and Film series, But your book grabbed my attention because of my career as a librarian. I worked first in the public sector before moving to the academic side some years ago. I also teach courses in information literacy to new college students and also have a history degree, so I've taught some history courses. So Wikipedia is definitely of interest to me. But you also have a background in film writing and teaching. Can you discuss your academic? Most of it. No, go ahead. No, I was going to ask you to discuss your academic work, including some details about some of your previous books. I was not trained as a film scholar, but that's most of what I've been teaching for 30 years. Um, I've written pretty extensively on the films of Alfred Hitchcock. I've written about crime films. I wrote a little monograph about Perry Mason a few years ago. And more recently, in the last 10 years or so, most of my scholarly work has been on adaptation on films or TV shows, or for that matter, operas and ballets that are based on previously previously existing works. Um, but I can assure you that is steady work, lots, lots of work to be done in that area. And I'm still working in it, but um, I couldn't resist taking some time off to work on Wikipedia. Yeah, like I say, I've, your book on uh, adaptations is what first I saw your name. I did see this book listed, the, the Wikipedia book that we're going to be talking about today. I saw it listed on a librarian's listserv. It was actually, they were quoting a review of it, not the actual reading of the book. And I said, well, I've got to uh, search that book out. And then I discovered your film work. And I said, well, here's somebody that has some of the same general interests as me. So it seemed logical to talk about it. How did this book come about? What made you decide to write about Wikipedia? It came about as a result of a suggestion from Michael Lanegro, who at the time was my editor at Johns Hopkins UP. Um, Michael knew that I had been using Wikipedia in the classroom um, and that the experiences that I had had with it had opened my eyes um, to a much more critical view of traditional kinds of academic and scholarly authority than I had assumed, I guess, for most of my working life. Um, And he encouraged me to run with this and to write about the ways that dealing with Wikipedia might not just make you think different ways about online research, but might make you reconsider verities that you would inherited that you thought were universal about research generally. 
Um, the keyword that I used in writing this book, or the, the keyword that I had in mind for myself when I thought about it, was authority. But I think another word that would have been useful as a counterpart to that was trust. As if you have authority, then I trust you, um, at least as a, as a purveyor of knowledge. Trust, of course, is a word that has lots of other overtones as well. You know, if you love people, you trust them. But authority is a word that also has lots of overtones. So the two words, I think, go together and describe well the kind of academic journey or intellectual journey that I undertook as a result of reflecting on my use and my students' use of Wikipedia. In fact, I was going to be asking you about the word authority since you uh, make a big deal about it, even to the fact that on the cover of the book, the word authority is, uh, is in yellow to make it clear that, and you even talk about it in the introduction in the early part of the book, <clears throat> that um, the aspect of authority is so important. And before we go too far, though, let's, let's um, make sure we define Wikipedia in case there's someone who might not understand what the controversy is. Obviously, it's a user-written encyclopedia that's available on the web. Can you give a brief history of where the site started and, and how it grew? Uh, wow, we could go on for hours. I know <laughs> it's a little, it's an easy question in one sense, but it's very detailed. But you know, what who was the founder and what was his plan originally? Well, there were two founders, um, Jimmy Wales, who's remained with Wikipedia. Um, the, I guess that's who. If you asked who was Wikipedia's founder, um, and you only allowed one name in the slot, that would be the name that would occur to, to most people. But the other person, it seems to me, who's important in the, the early days of Wikipedia is Larry Sanger, who left the project years ago um, and who is now associated um, with other online sources. Um, Newpedia is the one that Wikipedia grew out of. Uh, Newpedia was supposed to be a, a curated site, that is, a site that would publish encyclopedia articles online but the articles would be written and edited by experts, and they wouldn't be released online until they had passed muster. Um, Newpedia's production of articles was glacially small. Well, I should say glacially slow, since glaciers are pretty big. Um, it was Newpedia is a little bit like the Academy itself. Uh, that is, uh, everything happens very slowly because there are multiple layers of review to go through, and by the time your article gets published, it's oftentimes quite a while since the first time that you wrote it. Um, interestingly, Jimmy Wales and Larry Sanger broke um, parted ways over the question of whether an online encyclopedia ought to be curated by experts. Sanger thought that it should. Wales thought that it should not. He thought that Wikipedia should be, and this label has stuck, the people's encyclopedia. Um, and when you go to Wikipedia now, one of the things you find out on, on, the, uh, on the opening page is it's the, the free encyclopedia that anyone can edit. Uh, not only can I write pages, not only can you write pages, but we can change each other's pages. Um, and in fact, one of the controversial features of Wikipedia, as you know, is that sometimes um, people go back and forth changing each other's entries many times in the course of even a 24-hour period. So Wikipedia is produced by its users, and it's also edited by its users who number a very large number. Um, this sets Wikipedia apart from traditional reference sources, and the one that's almost always used as a counterpart to it is the Encyclopedia Britannica. Um, one might argue that one of, the, one of the effects that Wikipedia has had over the 15 years since it was founded, it began in the year 2000, is that it put Britannica out of business, at least in its print form. Uh, there are, I understand, going to be no more new print editions of the Encyclopedia Britannica. don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but there it is. Real briefly, then, let's add to that definition by coming back to that word wiki, because there are other wikis available on the Internet. In fact, people use wikis in other f formats. So a wiki um, is a collaborative tool, web tool, that you can use where people can just use it in general. And, in fact, it's used in a number of different formats to allow people to edit material together. So it's not unusual to see other tools on the web, other websites, where they, the word wiki is an important part. But as you say, Wikipedia, as the name implies, is an encyclopedia, that it's a collaborative encyclopedia where, as you point out easily, carefully, that it's not just the writing part, but the editing part as well. When you think of it, 
the term Wikipedia is already a kind of paradoxical or contradictory term because the wiki part of it suggests it's constantly being updated. It's constantly being refreshed. People are constantly added to it. It's like a giant beanstalk. You know, you, you go to sleep at night when you wake up in the morning, it's 20 feet taller than it was before. That's the wiki part. But the Pedia part of Wikipedia suggests that there's something stable about it, something that's enduring, uh, that Wikipedia is a collection of knowledge. Um, and I think that Wikipedia relies on both halves of that. That is, um, it wants to be, uh, it wants to have all the good points of encyclopedias, but it also wants to be its own self. Uh, it wants to be the encyclopedia that is constantly, constantly being updated. As you point out, though, it, it's it's that part of it that makes it most controversial, the idea that the constant updating almost too quick updating sometimes. In fact, uh, there have been stories, and we can talk about some of the controversies, but where stories get updated so quickly because of information that somebody hears that they end up being wrong because the information is incorrect. And there have been a couple times I know where um, famous people whose deaths haven't even been announced officially yet, the Wikipedia entries get changed because of rumors or because you know, of, of non-reliable sources, and and it's that aspect that I think sometimes, even without the malicious changes that happen, where people are, give it the most pause as far as a, its reliability. Certainly, one of the most notorious and often remarked features of Wikipedia that sets it apart from traditional encyclopedias is its very heavy emphasis on current events, on what many traditional encyclopedia contributors and editors would call evanescent stuff. Um, Taylor Swift, for instance, a prominent figure on Wikipedia who doesn't feature very prominently at all in most print encyclopedias. Um, Dungeons and Dragons, about which a great deal has been written on Wikipedia. Uh, Game of Thrones. Um, these are topics that traditional encyclopedias would treat as of only passing interest. Um, but Wikipedia Contributors, since there's no limit on what they can write about or how long they can write, um, treat them with great interest and often in exhaustive detail. And often, as you point out just now, Joel, um, controversially, yes, um, when we're dealing, for instance, with, uh, with uh, a present-day celebrity, let's say Tiger Woods, um, naturally, information about that celebrity is going to change from week to week, sometimes even from hour to hour, and people who are interested in posting to Wikipedia on Tiger Woods are going to have many, many opportunities to update and sometimes to change things that other people have done. Whereas if you're writing about, let's say, uh, the, the tragic um, poet Sophocles, um, new updates are not that there aren't that many new updates. Uh, news about Sophocles doesn't come in all that often. So we get the effect that the knowledge about Sophocles is stable and knowable and that he's not going to go anywhere. It, it seems to me, by the way, that one of the wonderful things about Wikipedia is to remind us that this, uh, what we take for granted about the stability of knowledge about subjects like Sophocles is in fact kind of illusory. Um, it, it's something that we believe, but it's something that's not really true. And Wikipedia reminds us that this, this sense of stability and continuation um, is is really something that we make up to suit ourselves, that in fact traditional knowledge bases have the potential to be just as mutable um, to, to change just as dramatically in people's hands as Wikipedia does. And so let's let's come back to the back to the word authority then, since that's where I was going anyway at this point. Your book, as we as I've mentioned, describes and studies Wikipedia, but your theme really is the importance of authority in education in fact, that's part of the title, liberal education. So what's the major issue with authority in the 21st century with digital media and, and how it might relate to Wikipedia? What is the overall problem that we have to be careful of? I'm not sure that I could tell you what the overall problem is, but I can tell you what my take on the problem is, and it's this. The main um, or one of the main sources that repeatedly demonizes Wikipedia is college teachers like me. We tell our students, don't cite Wikipedia. Um, don't use it as a source. If you're going to consult Wikipedia, only use it to find other sources because it's not reliable, it's not trustworthy, it's not an authority. Um, we're able to do this with great confidence because we know what an authority is because within American academies, 
um, ideas of, of authority are very well established. Authority is based on expertise, authority is based on experience, authority is based on pure recognition, and so on. And we know that Wikipedia doesn't have any of these things. The contributors are by and large anonymous. Um, they're not particularly acknowledged by others. They can be overridden at any time. Uh, Wikipedia is, as we've been saying just now, famously unstable, and so on. Um, so liberal education has come out against Wikipedia uh, with guns blazing. Um, I don't exactly mean to defend Wikipedia. What I thought I had to offer in writing this book was the notion that although liberal education could take such a stance toward Wikipedia, Wikipedia could also equally fairly take such a stance toward liberal education. Wikipedia, I hasten to add, has not done this. There's Jimmy Wales is not a flying around the country attacking higher education in America, nor am I. All I'm trying to do is get at the assumptions that college teachers like me must be making in order to marginalize Wikipedia and its claims to authority in the ways that they are. In other words, I'm trying to use Wikipedia's claims to authority and college teachers' dismissals of those claims to get at what college teachers themselves must be assuming about authority. Yeah, the issue of authority, um, I've got a great deal of experience working with students, uh, particularly on a, a lower level when they first start in dealing with the importance of using academically credible sources. And, of course, that becomes, you know, Wikipedia tends to be the thing that gets brought up immediately whenever we talk about academically credible, credible sources. But I also feel like too often I've heard instructors or professors make a general statement, no Wikipedia, without really giving enough reasoning, without giving a good understanding behind it as to why that is such an issue. You can't just say no without explaining why. It just seems to me that uh, doing a little bit of, uh, of educating and bringing in the whole issue of authority can definitely help with that. Have you had specific classroom experiences that you drew on to help you uh, with your research or with your study of the topic? Well, I haven't had the kind of experience that I think that you're describing because I've never said to my students, no Wikipedia. In fact, from time to time, I cite Wikipedia myself in my writings. I don't cite it with the idea that it's an ultimate authority on anything. I usually cite it uh, in a heuristic sense um, um, as, as one more tool in the toolbox. But the kinds of experiences that I've had with Wikipedia have been based on students' assumptions that if it's online, it must be true. Um, this is something that Charles Seif has written about in his book, uh, A Virtual Unreality, uh, the widespread perception that if something's online and if the page that it's on is professionally designed, you know, if it looks good, it must be true. This clearly is not a good way to think about the web. That is, anything that's online must be true. However, the contrary way of thinking, um, if it's online, it's automatically not trustworthy. It's not authoritative. Um, that seems to me not all that much less untrue. That's not a much more sophisticated way to think about it either. I think that Wikipedia and other online sources too offer us challenges to think in a more mature way about authority than I can trust this, but I can't trust that. And I could see that uh, um, that can be an issue because as you just pointed out that uh it, there's more to it than just saying no, as I mentioned, just to saying no Wikipedia. We have to examine authority on a, on a more specific level. I do teach discussing academic, you know, reviewing sources for credibility and other kinds of issues. And, of course, the first thing I always bring up is authority and making sure you understand. Um, what are some of the other reasons, though, with Wikipedia that it's the lack of reliability? Obviously, you mentioned that it's current events uh, because it's uh, user uh, driven sometimes the articles can change very quickly and can sometimes be maliciously changed. Are there other specific things that you noted that uh, people need to be particularly careful about as it relates to using Wiki the problem with Wikipedia articles? I'm not sure that I think that there are particular ways that users should be skeptical of Wikipedia, particularly that are not ways that the same users should be skeptical of other claims that are made in other sources, including print sources. So in some ways, the most, the most useful function that Wikipedia can serve 
my students is as a kind of scratching post that allows them to sharpen their claws. Um, the idea should not be to come away from Wikipedia having debunked it. Oh, ho, that's online. That changes all the time. That's got current event stuff. That's got misinformation on it. There are things on Wikipedia that are not true. But rather to say, well, I see that when I read articles about something that I know something about World of Warcraft, for instance, um, I find that I have disagreements. It's possible then that when I encounter other claims uh, in other sources that aren't Wikipedia, I should be not dismissive of them, but critical of them. And when I deal with authority, I shouldn't just accept authority, nor should I reject it, but I should be thinking all the time, well, what kind of authority, if you don't mind the pun, what kind of authority makes this person an authority? What kind of evidence is offered for this assertion? Um, what kinds of arguments back these particular claims up? And why should I have reason to trust them and not um, other arguments that might be in contradiction with them? I think it's hard for me to imagine more useful skills for students to learn. It's interesting when you t we talk about the whole no Wikipedia thing. One of the things I find is that some students, I don't know if it's just because they're trying to make you happy with what they say, they will talk about print sources as being automatically more reliable. They actually go the opposite way of saying, well, it must be more reliable because it's in print. And then I have to explain to them, well, no, it works the same way, that there's plenty of things in print that aren't necessarily true. And we're not even, you know, there are plenty of books out there that are on controversial topics that you can't trust because you don't know how true they are either. And, and unfortunately, for some reason, some people have gone the opposite direction students-wise. They just don't think critically. They just think, okay, one or the other. Yes. And, and I agree with you. I think that there's something deeply tragic about that. That is, when students come into a class being completely credulous, I believe any claim that's made to me, um, and they leave your class being completely dismissive, I believe no claim that's made to me. Um, those are both terrible positions to be in. I mean, complete credulity leaves you very vulnerable as you go through life, but complete skepticism, it seems to me, leaves you equally vulnerable and more crabby and jaundiced at the same time. Um, what we ought to be doing as college teachers, it seems to me, is cultivating in our students a kind of ability to think critically about the about claims to authority without dismissing those claims. Uh, we want students to be critical, but not cynical. And since most college students are of an age in which cynicism comes fairly easy to them, you know, the, the, uh, the students that you mentioned who just inverted the prejudice against Wikipedia and said, well, you know, you can't trust print sources either, so I'm just going to go home to bed and pull the covers over my head. These students can sometimes be a challenge to reach. Talk a little bit about the controversy related to Nature magazine. We know there was a anybody who's followed Wikipedia and its controversies have probably heard of it, but what's the deal with the issue of the Nature magazine article on on that compared Wikipedia to uh, uh, Encyclopedia Britannica? Well, you've given away my lead yourself, Joel. So <laughs> the only thing I could do is fill in some of the details. Um, Nature decided that they would commission a report that would take a certain number of articles from Wikipedia and from the Encyclopedia Britannica um, and send those articles out to um, identified experts in the field and ask them if there were inaccuracies in them. Um, this group of experts, without consulting each other but individually, found, I can't remember what the exact number was, but a certain number of errors in Wikipedia and a certain somewhat smaller number of errors in Britannica, but a surprising number of errors either, either way. Um, so they published the results in Nature, and Britannica, several months later, issued a rebuttal uh, claiming that um, the errors that were in Wikipedia had been more serious and many of the errors that were found in Britannica were found in Britannica Online or in subsidiary publications and not what they called our core encyclopedia. And that, that they had never claimed that Britannica was free from error, uh, merely that it was rigorously peer-edited and reliable in ways that Wikipedia was not. Um, interestingly, the, the report that Britannica had um, released um, in response to Wikipedia, was unsigned. 
but it's, it, it, its authority was we are Encyclopedia Britannica. So it was really the brand that was taking responsibility for these counterclaims, not anybody in particular. Um, the and nature um, stood by its original analysis, so we had a standoff. Uh, Britannica said, no, we're better than Wikipedia, and nature said, well, yeah, you are a little better than Wikipedia, but not as much as, as your tone would claim, and we are not backing down. That's where things stood, except, of course, for the report several years later that Britannica was not going to publish any more print editions. I was watching one of the things I show in a class. Sometimes there's a there are a number of things that various colleges and universities have done video wise to sort of introduce topics related to, to credibility in Wikipedia. And one of the things I find, in, uh, having read about uh, the Nature article in your book, uh, this one video went through a whole discussion of Wikipedia, and it was clearly they were trying to be very open and. And fair with the with the video, but they mentioned the Nature article, but did not discuss the controversy at all. It was like, well, Nature said this, and therefore almost like they were saying, well, and just it, it was interesting that they chose not to show that the, that that whole issue was a little more controversial than just one article where this topic was stated and and these number of errors were supposedly found in in Britannica. Without giving some more background about that, it just seemed once again it would be a little too uh, cut and dried as far as what they chose to present. Yes, I have to agree with you. At the same time, I have to express sympathy for those people who didn't tell the whole story because when you're a teacher, one of the first things that you learn is you're never going to tell the whole story. Life is short. You're always making a decision about how much of the story you want to tell why you're going to leave out the parts that you're going to leave out, and whether there are parts that you really ought to know that maybe you don't know after all. Um, we crown the people who succeed in parsing every possible detail of a problem with the title expert, but of course, uh, the burlesque of experts, uh, the, the way that they're constantly satirized outside the academy is that they know more and more about less and less. So I think, although I agree with you, that just summarizing this controversy by saying, well, nature said this, and so it's all settled. Um, that's clearly not a satisfactory way to deal with the problem. But no matter what way you deal with the, with the problem, no matter how many sources you bring up, how far you pursue the controversy, you're always stopping short of including everything. Um, so once again, it turns out to be a matter of judgment, maturity, and wisdom, not of right or wrong, how much you include, where you stop, and what you cite, and what you don't cite. One of the some of the other issues about Wikipedia that I probably may have heard about but didn't really pay much attention to until I read your book is the whole issue of how articles are first approved and the whole concept behind how various articles become the articles that they are. What this whole crowd sourcing, the crowd uh, approval concept. What does that mean? I mean, how does that process work so that, because I think it's a light, another thing that shows Wikipedia's, um, some of the issues you run into as far as how things are approved. Can you talk a little bit about that concept? Because I think it, the concept of the super editors and the editors above them and how that affects articles that, that appear. Wikipedia turns out to have a surprisingly well-articulated hierarchy from ordinary contributors to people who have made enough contributions and enough edits so that they are certified to um, the, the ranks of people, both those, uh, the, uh, the, the, the on up the line till you finally get to Jimmy Wales, who's the, the sort of uh, uncrowned king of Wikipedia and who has certain kinds of veto power that, that nobody else is going to have. Um, Crowdsourcing an encyclopedia means, of course, that um, you're going to invite your readers to contribute to it. Um, but Wikipedia goes further than, than crowdsourcing in that it not only um, allows people to add things to it, it invites them to do so. Uh, there are innumerable Wikipedia entries that are labeled stubs. Uh, they're very short entries, and if you happen on one of them, it will contain a header at the very beginning that says, this article is a stub, and we hope that you will consider expanding it. Um, imagine if Britannica were like that. 
uh, or any print encyclopedia. Uh, not only would, would it be odd because the technology would not be there to do this in print, but because encyclopedias do not normally present themselves as works in progress, as Wikipedia does. Um, and Wikipedia is not only thinking of itself as a work in progress because you can edit the pages, update them, change factual misstatements, uh, even improve the punctuation and make them better, but because Wikipedia is constantly um, like, uh, I don't know, the British Empire trying to expand into new areas. Um, so every article that's only a stub, Wikipedia wants to be longer. Wikipedia launches projects. For instance, for some years, Wikipedia had it in mind. I'm sorry, I'm describing it as if it were a person. Um, the masters of Wikipedia had it in mind that they would have an article on every single high school in the United States. Um, they would list a distinguished alumni, they would tell you where the high school was, where it was located. Um, I assume that they finished this project, but I've got to imagine that some of the um, entries for individual high schools are stubs, and it's as if somewhere, someone is not sleeping well today because there are still articles on a few American high schools left to be either written or expanded from stubs. So Wikipedia wants to get bigger and bigger and bigger in ways that traditional encyclopedias do not want to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Britannica, for instance, was 24 volumes for many years. Um, you never saw an indication that Britannica was uh, lusted after becoming 50 volumes or 100 or 150. Um, when we think of things like the great books, um, another Britannica project. It was always 54 volumes. Um, the Harvard Classics boasted that it was a five-foot shelf. Uh, the idea was classics are not going to be produced every year. So if you buy these books, you know, you'll be indemnified. You will know what you need to know. And the new knowledge that comes along, that doesn't really matter that much. Wikipedia stands all of those expectations on their heads and says, no, the more the merrier. Um, not only should individual articles get longer, there should be more and more and more individual articles. Yet, sometimes getting a new article can be—it's it, it, a long—can be a long process because you have to convince some nebulous person, since remember most people are anonymous, that it deserves it. Um, that happens sometimes with quote-unquote celebrities where somebody where somebody makes a decision or a group of people make a decision on Wikipedia that somebody's just not famous enough to have a Wikipedia article. There are such stories. It's true. Although I think uh, that most observers would agree that Wikipedia looks pretty kindly on articles about celebrities, certainly more kindly than traditional um, reference sources do. The challenge with Wikipedia that, that I've experienced um, most myself, not directly, but at second or third hand, anecdotally from talking to friends, is not starting new articles, but rather editing articles about which you have expertise but cannot cite print sources in your defense or in support of what you're saying. For instance, friends of mine have Wikipedia entries about themselves that they have tried to change, but they can't change them because they don't have print sources to back them up, and therefore they are not experts on their own lives. Um, so the problem is not starting an article about yourself. Although I don't think that I, I don't think Wikipedia would take kindly to it if I tried to publish an article on myself, for instance. I did um, check, but, and no, you're not. <laughs> you're listed a couple <laughs> times in the article on reliability um, that Wikipedia has. You're listed as a source, but uh, yes, you're right. I, I wondered. Well, maybe somebody... as a result of this conversation, Joel. <laughs> you know, we can always dream. However, I think that, that my. Uh, even if I had an entry on about myself on Wikipedia, it would be a much bigger challenge for me to try to change that entry in any way myself. Because there's so many articles, though, because it's so huge, just the overall editing and, more, more importantly, the reviewing process must be difficult. I can imagine that some articles, if they're popular enough, well, certainly you can't make changes to it of any sort without things changing back pretty quickly depending on what you do but I can't believe and in fact I've I can't believe that every single article is going to have that same kind of of, of study and, and review so that you could probably change some things and the changes might stay for quite a while and of course there are famous anecdotes about exactly that I mean probably the most the, the most serious blemish on Wikipedia's history is the John Siegenthaler controversy. Um, uh, Siegenthaler um, was a journalist who had served in politics, and his Wikipedia page for several months uh, suggested 
that uh, there was a rumor that he was implicated in the assassinations of John and Robert Kennedy. Um, amazingly, it now seems, um, this sat there for months and months and nobody corrected it. I, I guess poor John Siegenthaler wasn't, wasn't all that important at the time. Um, when the error was discovered, Siegenthaler attempted to, discover, attempted to find out who had, who had written this about him in the first place, but Wikipedia would not reveal it, and the server um, who had handled it wouldn't reveal it either. Um, ultimately, the, the person who had, had done this came forward and outed himself and indicated that he had done this, and he was sorry, but he had done it purely as a prank. Um, he said that he always thought that Wikipedia was a joke, and it never occurred to him that anybody else would take this statement seriously. Um, I think that Wikipedia has changed enough um, in the 10 or so years since, since the Siegenthaler controversy erupted, that people would be less likely to plant things on Wikipedia under the impression that no one would ever notice. I think that that's much less likely now. However, there are still malicious additions to Wikipedia every day, and I think that people put them there as jokes that are bound to be reverted, but that in the meantime, even if it's only for a few minutes, a few hours, um, will still be their claim, if not to immortality, at least to... Um, what passes for immortality these days, which is anonymous celebrity. One of the other problems they ran into, and I'm not sure what kind of uh, restrictions they've put on to keep this from happening, was spam uh, people interested in spamming people changing uh, citations in a Wikipedia article that while it would look like it's going to go to the article mentioned, actually sends somebody to a spam system or site and I don't know now whether that's been solved to a large extent, but I know it was a problem some years ago with one of the, I want to say soccer World Cups, but it might have been one of something similar where articles related to that particular topic were being maliciously changed, but on only on the, the resources at the end of the article. It's reassuring to know that the changes were only made on resources at the end of the article, presumably because they had hot links. But... Um, this is, of course, a problem that's not specific to Wikipedia. Uh, spammers are constantly inserting um, malicious hotlinks into pages that are most likely to come up in Google searches for uh, the celebrities, for instance. I'm not going to name the celebrities because I do not want your listeners to go out and, and um, try to follow these links and then end up getting spammed themselves. Um, but um, it's clear that there are lots of people for whom, or lots of subjects for whom, if you uh, search online, you're at a greatly elevated risk for ending up someplace that you do not want to be. Um, this isn't then just a Wikipedia problem. And if Wikipedia had solved it, I would really wonder how, since the rest of the web doesn't seem to have solved it. Let's come back to this whole issue of not celebrities so much, but controversial topics, because I think that's also one of the areas where Wikipedia can get involved, can be quite con controversial itself. One of the things that you mention in the book is that articles in Wikipedia tend to be more willing to try to present lots of different versions of the same story or, or possibly uh, more controversial aspects of a particular topic or a particular um, event, for example. What are what were some of the things that you had talked about related to how they covered things? And I think the best example I can think of that you mentioned was the issue of, of Holocaust deniers. Yeah, Holocaust denial is an interesting example, more interesting, for instance, uh, to me anyway, than something like Barack Obama conspiracy theories that is extensive list of uh, articles about whether Barack Obama is uh, actually Muslim and is a frontman for some sort of Islamic plot to take over America and turn it into a caliphate. Um, um, but the stuff about Holocaust denial has an interesting theory because originally Holocaust deniers were given a kind of line of their own in the article about, about the Holocaust. You know, there was a brief mention that there were, there were some people, there were a few fringe people who denied that the Holocaust had ever happened, um, and these people had a publishing presence. But after a while, there was so much traffic, um, so many people changed and um, added to this material that eventually Wikipedia spun off Holocaust denial to its own article. Um, one that is now, I believe, it's been a while since I checked, but the last time I checked was almost as long as the article on the Holocaust. Um, and one of the interesting things about making Holocaust denial into an article about it on its own is that 
one of the first things that you find out when you read that article is uh, that the the question of whether Holocaust deniers are um, reliable historians is in fact hotly disputed by many many mainstream historians. Mainstream, one of Wikipedia's favorite words for authority. Um, so when you look up Holocaust in Wikipedia, you get only a brief mention of Holocaust denial. But when you look up Holocaust denial, uh, an important theme of that article is well, a lot of people think that Holocaust deniers have no uh, credibility. Um, in other words, the debate takes place in one of these articles but is marginalized in the other one. Um, Wikipedia is, um, I think, attentive to wanting to bring up multiple sides of controversies. But it's not only Wikipedia, but I think human nature generally that wants to boil down many complex controversies into pro and con, um, yes and no. Um, so Wikipedia does that, but I don't think it's unique in doing that. Um, and Holocaust denial, again, is a kind of template for this. Yes, the Holocaust happened. No, it did not happen. A careless reader might think, well, okay, you know, so there are two opinions. You can either believe that it happened or it didn't happen. I might as well flip a coin because both opinions are of equal weight. Um, for better or worse, Wikipedia has gone way out of its way to indicate the ways in which, no, those two opinions are not of equal weight. Um, but at the same time, it's only showcasing two opinions. The Holocaust happened, the Holocaust didn't happen, which you might think is inevitable. But there are many controversies about which there are more than two reasonable opinions, and those, those don't tend to float to the surface. That is the problem where when you're trying to hit when you're trying to do articles on everything, or at least as much as you can, this is where it can become an issue where you do give, depending on the topic especially, it almost is a, yes, this is it or this is it. There's no in-between and there's no, as you pointed out, multiple possibilities. And that that is a problem all by itself. Of course, that has a lot to do with critical thinking as well, where if, if you're a reader and you've decided it's either this or it's this, maybe you know, that's an issue you have to decide for yourself, whether you understand fully that, that the whole concept is a little bit more, that there's sometimes maybe two sides to every story. Some story may really only have one side, but many of them will have multiple sides. Yes, yes. I don't know, I don't know enough um, biology to know whether our brains are hardwired to think of problems digitally. Yes, no, forward, backward, left, right, blue, red. Um, but I do think that news media in particular have um, have a vested interest in presenting things as if they had exactly two sides because then you can be fair by presenting only two sides of, of, uh, of a controversy. You know, you, you have the pro, you have the contra, and now you've covered everything. So I think that popular culture generally tends to redouble whatever predisposition people have to think there are exactly two sides to every story. And that the two sides are necessarily equal, that they each have their the two own. Sides, yes. No, you are absolutely right, that the two sides are equal and that they're exactly the opposite of each other, so that when you add them up, the truth must be somewhere in the middle. Right. So it's either you're either this way or you're that way, or you're, like you say, it suddenly becomes the best way, which is compromised between the two. And yes. That's that. I agree with you as far as the digital aspect of it. It's become, and the new, the news media part of it, where... It has just become the norm that to be uh, to be look objective, you have to look at all sides of a particular issue or a particular subject, missing the point that some of those sides may not even be worth major uh, consideration. Yes. The other thing that's related to Wikipedia that I, you know, there have been a lot of articles about, but it's this authority thing again is where there have been stories where, say, for example, the CIA or the FBI or computers that are pretty logically, because one of the things people may not know, that Wikipedia, it is possible to track the IP addresses, the computer addresses that are making um, changes and doing editing and writing. And there have been a number of stories where once people have followed the trail back, have found that sometimes some of these articles are being changed or written by people who have a vested interest in the information that's being presented in in the Wikipedia article. And that can once again bring forward this whole issue of authority and, and the trustworthiness of the article. Yes. Um, I don't mean to be difficult here. Um, I would just say that it's hard for me to imagine anyone spending any serious time editing anything on Wikipedia without a vested interest. 
some of those vested interests may be the interests of, you know, fans or hobbyists or obsessives, and some of them may be the vested interests of corporations or governments or terrorists. Um, but it's hard for me to imagine anybody spending hours and hours working on Wikipedia without, out of, out of pure disinterestedness. And I think one of the things, one of the lessons that I've taken from Wikipedia is that um, people do have an interest, you know, in the sense that you're, you're using that word. Uh, people have biases, if you like, um, when they get into the information game. And instead of saying, oh, no, 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 a bias disallows you from playing the game, what we should be doing is assuming that everybody has some sort of interest and then asking, well, how do we balance those interests? Or if balance is the wrong word, how do we manage those interests? Um, because I think that if we wait for a people's encyclopedia to arise in which all the people who are contributing to it are utterly disinterested, we're going to be waiting for a long time, and it's going to be a very short encyclopedia. Okay. I'll, I'll, I guess vested is a, is a different uh, – is, I agree with you. I understand you fully as far as what you're saying. You're not being difficult at all. You're right. The bottom line is I'm not going to write an article about a topic that I either don't know anything about or don't care about. I guess the fact of the matter is there are some people who have a greater interest in an article having certain information that they want to make sure that is in that article versus someone else who is trying to include what they see as all sides of a topic, going back to one of our other uh, discussions earlier. Yes. Um, no, that's absolutely true. And it's hard to imagine a quick fix for this. Um, the, the obvious fix, for instance, that people have used for generations is getting um, authors of not just encyclopedia articles, but, but authors of anything to identify themselves so that you can track them down, you can find out uh, what other connections they have, what else they've written. Uh, you can try to do, do research and find out who's paying for, for their research. Um, you can, um, you can um, try to uncover the uh, the ties that they might have, for instance, to uh, industries that have a financial stake in what they're doing, like this uh, the the case that's been in the papers this week of the uh, of the uh, climate change denier, whose research turns out, or whose research is rumored anyway, to have been funded largely by um, energy corporations that that had you know a very considerable economic stake and having the research give one set of results rather than another set of the results. So one general strategy we could try to follow would be transparency or full disclosure. But as you and I were saying to each other before, um, you're never going to have full disclosure. You will just have disclosure up to a certain point, and then either you won't be able to get any more information, or you'll decide that it's pointless to try to pursue any more information. So there's always a judgment call about how much information to pursue and to include. Um, therefore, although I think I'm, I'm all in favor of transparency, um, it wouldn't bother me a bit if articles in Wikipedia and edits were, were signed you know, by, by real names and, and not just by screen pseudonyms. Um, uh, I'm all for transparency, but I don't think that transparency is, is the answer. I don't think there is a the answer. Um, this is just a problem. And, and I guess, in a way, this was the kind of fundamental uh, realization I came to in the course of working on this book, that is, authority is always a problem. Um, it, it always has to be renegotiated. Um, it always has to be um, authority is constantly being questioned. That's normal. Um, it's constantly being reasserted. That's normal, too. Um, and it's constantly transforming, whether you like it or not. Um, so we don't make these problems go away. We can police them. Um, we can try to bring them into line. But we can't solve them once and for all. And the, the dream of solving them, it seems to me, is something that Wikipedia has played, I think, a terrific role in helping to explode. Going back to the old, the article you just mentioned, or the articles that you talk, talked about, the, the discussions about the climate denier and where he may or may not be getting his funding, goes back to your overall authority point. Because one of the things I know when I discuss authority as, a, as an issue, one of the things I talk about, particularly as it relates to scholarly sources, what we would call scholarly sources, but also even regular sources. Not only do you want to know who the person is, you want to know what their background is, but you want to make sure you have some sense as to where are they getting the money to publish the information that they're publishing, and yes. that can make a difference, too. Yes, absolutely. 
Um, and this goes back to what you were saying a few minutes ago, Joel, about how um, even if we all have uh, investments, uh, we all have biases, we, we all have um, – I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly what your word was that, that set me off. Um, <laughs> vested interest. Vested interest, right? We all have vested interests. Do we want do we want to be in a position of saying these vested interests are okay and these aren't? Or in a position of saying we will rank the vested interests in order of their acceptability? Um, I don't think these are easy questions, and um, I don't have an answer for them, but I don't feel embarrassed that I don't. Well, this, this is why I'm, I'm, I think what the useful aspect is is that the discussion continues because of these kinds of questions. We can't be in a position where we make blanket statements and, and decide, well, this is it or this is it, and there's nothing in between going back to the same issue about a controversial topic and there being two sides to it and only two sides. And to just continue to discuss authority as it relates to Wikipedia or to anything else, whether it be academic or non-academic, is still an important thing where, as you say, somebody reads something on the Internet and automatically decides it must be true. And we're seeing this in other social media aspects and how some particularly tech people tend to, to push Twitter as such a great source for current event information, news events, when they happen, because the people who are, quote-unquote, actually there can can post. And there's been a number of controversies related to it the same way, where you're, you know, there's no filter, and sometimes not having a filter is not necessarily always a good thing. No, police know that you never want to bring a case into court if all your testimony depends on eyewitnesses, because the people who are right there are notoriously unreliable. You can have three witnesses giving three different stories, uh, and even if they all give the same story, they, they may still be misinterpreting what they saw. I don't mean to come out against eyewitnesses, just to say, just, just the fact that you're there doesn't give you a kind of monopoly on wisdom. Uh, as I'm sure, for instance, professional historians would agree too. You know, Columbus may have understood certain things when he landed in America in 1492, but there were other things that we understand about that voyage better than Columbus did, even though he was there on the site and we weren't. Well, and that's where some of the controversial topics, depending on especially the ones where you get people who are writing about it in such volume that so much of what they say, they say, well, this article in the newspaper said this, or this person was quoted as saying this, and they're using that as their reasoning for why there's a controversy in the first place. And unfortunately, like you say, so much based on, there are a number of major uh, conspiracy theories, for example, that depend a great deal on eyewitness testimony or eyewitness accounts to prove or disprove what they're trying to say. Yes. Yes. It's, of course, not unique to Wikipedia um, that people consult it and come away thinking, oh, I didn't know that. That must be true. Uh, people have been saying this for years about Oliver Stone movies. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the audience is going to watch Nixon. And they say, I didn't know that he met with young people shortly before he resigned. That's so interesting. Well, it is interesting, but it's not true. I mean, it didn't happen. Um, and we can find this throughout the web. I mean, my students, as I said before, are great believers of the fact that if they go looking for information, anything they find on the web is, is equally likely to be true. So the first thing they find usually ends their search. You know, oh, I got my answer. This page said this. Um, it's to be hoped. And when you think about it, we put a lot of weight on filters um, like Google that manage searches and decide which pages come up first. Um, interestingly, of course, Wikipedia pages have a very, very high percentage of coming up first right. in Google searches. Um, but it seems to me that in a way, um, everything that we've been talking about today points to a kind of weird triumph of Wikipedia. Um, you would think that a digital encyclopedia's greatest claim to fame, its greatest success, would be that it was a repository of reliable information. But Without saying anything about whether that's true of Wikipedia, I would say that is not its greatest success. Its greatest success is the ability it has generated to raise questions about authority, about research, about credibility, about trustworthiness that people should have been thinking about for years and years, but we were living in a print culture that did not encourage us to, to ask those questions and instead encouraged us to uh, you know, make assumptions about authority and then just, just live out those assumptions without worrying about them anymore. 
So Wikipedia's greatest triumph, it seems to me, may be as an anti-encyclopedia. It been a print source, particularly, um, it always was, okay, who's willing to pay for it? Um, with an online source, that tends not to be the big issue because the costs are not the same. And to publish a book, for example, on a topic, you ha- uh, somebody has to make a decision that it's worth publishing that book. And while we as consumers of written material might decide, well, there must be something because somebody decided to publish it, um, going back to your book, exam- you know, your written example, the bottom line is, is in many cases, there are a number of reasons why something might get published, including monetary reasons where I'm going to publish this book because I know it'll sell well and therefore I'll make yes. money. Absolutely. Um, the publishing industry and especially book reviewers have traditionally been skeptical about self-published books, uh, books whose authors pay for them to be published because the assumption is, well, nobody else would put out the money. Um, therefore, this is merely a vanity project. It's only the author who thinks this is worth publishing. We want to get a reliable third party, you know, a publisher or a university or someone who doesn't have an obvious stake in the book's outcome um, to publish it. But as you point out, anybody who's going to publish a book has a stake in its outcome. It may be a financial stake. It may be a stake involving the reputation of a press. It may be a stake that involves notoriety you know, or raising a profile. It may be a stake that involves doing a favor for a friend. Um, but once again, we all have vested interests, and we're not going to breed those vested interests out of the system. The only thing that we can do is to keep out a more critical eye for them and then ask ourselves, once we've uncovered a vested interest, what are we going to do? Have you received contact from anybody? I mean, I, I, the book, it, since it's mentioned a few times in the reliability article on Wikipedia, have you heard from some, any, have anybody from Wikipedia who writes or edits for a Wikipedia contacted you on one-on-one just to present their point of view or to, to discuss what the what they do, so to speak? I'm oh, thinking goodness, of... no. I, and I would be very surprised if that happened, although maybe it'll happen, I'll be very surprised. Um, I didn't think, if, if I were working for Wikipedia, if I were one of Wikipedia's few salaried employees, uh, I wouldn't think that it was at all useful to get in touch with me, Tom Leach, the author, um, about this because I didn't think that I was being particularly hard on Wikipedia. I don't think there's another side to present. There are, of course, other points of view to present about Wikipedia, and there are some other terrific books about Wikipedia, um, um, some of which I used myself. But um, I don't um, I don't think that Wikipedia works that way. Uh, of course, it's possible that uh, that when this talk is over, I'll, uh, I'll go to the door and the Spanish Inquisition will be there. Um, but <laughs> That'll be quite a surprise. Um, but for the moment, no, I, I don't expect people who, who do Wikipedia to be in touch with me. They're doing what they're doing, and I'm doing what I'm doing, and I'm grateful to them for having supplied so much grist from my mill, uh, and I hope that they go on doing it. Now, as, as I say, I, I agree with you that this has become it, – it's, it's opened a, bit, a bigger discussion that is much more – I mean, as important as Wikipedia is to the web, so to speak, it's – certainly a wider discussion that educators and interested people need to continue to have so that we don't we try to get away from these dogmatic decisions where yes or no and and everything becomes black or white and nothing much in between um what are your plans i mean do you have film related projects that you're working on going forward or 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 what is uh what are your future what you're working on going forward I'm in the middle of editing a big anthology of essays about adaptation. That'll keep me off the streets for a while. <laughs> um, and and after that, I'll, I'll be writing a, a history of uh, adaptations of American literature, a book called uh, History of American Literature on Film. Um, so I think Wikipedia is safe from me for quite a while. And in fact, in it, in a fundamental sense, Joel, I don't really think this is a book about Wikipedia. It is a book about authority, and I use Wikipedia as a kind of test case you know, for certain kinds of claims about authority, some of which are made by Wikipedia, some of which are made uh, on behalf of, of what's widely known as Web 2.0, you know, mm-hmm. the read-write right. web, the web that we can contribute to, the web that's marked by wikis. Um, and some of which are made by, you know, my corner of the field, um, liberal education, and in particular, um, liberal studies, English studies. Um, I just thought that it would be fun and interesting uh, to uh, use those competing claims um, to examine each other um, 
because we seem to be in an interesting point of history in which claims about authority are up for grabs. And I think that we should seize the opportunity to look at those claims now because um, I fear that eventually that moment will go away and we'll just be in a period in which people make assumptions about authority that are really not good for them. So, yeah, I'd like to do all the work that I can while the light is still there. Of course, the other thing is the the last part of the book that I found interesting where you have a number of us of Wikipedia or actually more, to be fair, authority-related exercises that I think are worth reviewing by themselves to just to see what kind of ways that you can bring the issues of authority to people's minds and give them a chance to think about it in more detail than just okay, is this a, you know, how do I decide if this is a good article or not, that there's ways that you need to think about and change your point of view in order to help you better understand this whole issue of the importance of authority. In a way, those questions were the most Wikipedia-inspired parts of this book. They were designed originally as questions for classrooms like mine, you know, questions that I would use if I were teaching this book myself. But the more of them that I wrote, the more I realized that they were really questions that I was directing to people at random and in some cases to myself. And what they were acknowledging more or less explicitly was that when you write a book and you publish your book, it's a thing. You know, it seems to have a certain solid solidity to it. It seems to be a finished object. But in fact, that's not what books ought to be. Books should be provocations to more thinking. Books should be machines to help you think. And I thought it would be neat to end this book with a series of questions that would do whatever they could to help ensure that anybody who finished the book, when they when they turned the last page and closed the book, would have questions in their mind that would get them to be writing sequels, even if the sequels were refutations of what I had written. Great. You know, let, let a million flowers bloom. And there's an article that I actually have sent out to some of the people I work with. It's uh, from a wonderful periodical, which, of course, I'm sure everybody reads, called the Communications and Information Literacy. And it's a couple of professors from Duquesne University who did a, who had a student project of and the, the article's called Wikipedia and the Wisdom of Crowds. And I, just reading it, and it's an interesting concept of getting people to to look at this whole issue of, okay, can you trust a report or can you trust something that's put together by a group of people or um, other aspects of this whole topic of, of, of uh, authority? And, and, and it's just, a, I think it comes very close to, to some of the work that you've done as far as projects where you can get people to say, okay, uh, what can we, in this case, they uh, wrote an art. They they, were, they they changed an article, or they worked on an article t- as a group, and it was an interesting discussion. And it actually also gave some pretty good background of Wikipedia as part of it. It sounds really fascinating, and if I could put in my two cents here, I would say that when I go into a classroom, I often tell students the sum wisdom of the class as a collective is greater than any person's wisdom. In other words, classes are smarter than teachers. And I believe that. However, I don't believe for a moment that committees are smarter than their individual members. Quite the contrary. So if we took a case, which for me is somewhere in the middle, multiple authors of articles or books, um, are they smarter than individual authors are? I have no idea. Uh, My best guess would be sometimes they are and sometimes they aren't. Well, this has been an interesting discussion, and as I told you when I was first trying to set this up, that I knew it was going to be something that was going to be interesting to me as a as as an individual from my work and my inform you know my uh, interests. But you really, I, I have to tell you, it was a great book, and I really enjoyed having this conversation with you about it. I hope, uh, as you say, it continues this discussion as people go and it'll help me going forward when I have meetings with people where we discuss the whole issue of how to get students to better um, understand authority to not trust automatically but also to understand that authority is one of those issues that anybody who writes depends on in order to be a successful writer or editor or, or any kind of someone who compiles information and also if we're talking about students, to think of themselves as authorities in training. 
Uh, so instead of thinking, well, this is what these guys wrote, you know, but they're authorities, I'm never going to be like them, to think all the time, how can I bolster my authority? How can I establish my authority? How can I extend my authority? Because after all, when the old guys are gone, it's going to be the students who are in charge. They're going to be the old guys, and they need to get some practice in thinking of themselves responsibly, critically, as authorities. You know, that's what higher education ought to be doing for students. And on the days that I feel that I'm doing it, I'm really happy. Well, thanks a lot for talking to me. We've, we've, I think we've obviously only scratched the surface. We know we would only scratch the surface, as you said, right at the beginning. But I still think uh, we've, we've, we've covered the book quite well, and I hope um, people will look at it and give it the attention it deserves as far as this whole topic of authority and, and particularly how Wikipedia fits into that. Thanks a lot for Thank talking you, to me. Thank you, Joe. Believe me, the pleasure has been mine. My great thanks to Tom Leach for his time and his lively conversation. I also recommend that you seek out Tom's previous book, Film Adaptation and Its Discontents, From Gone with the Wind to the Passion of the Christ, published in 2009 by Johns Hopkins University Press. This is Joel Cherney for the New Books Network.